Welcome to the Undead Walking Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Sarah Beth Pollock. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Undead Walking Podcast. It's Sunday, and that means we have an interview for you. Um, I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and this week I had a chance to go back to the beginning of The Walking Dead with Irony Singleton. Now, I have to admit, I have never met Irony before. Um, I've never been to a Walker Stalker convention, so um, I've never had the chance to meet him in person. So, I have heard just the most wonderful things about him and um, had a chance to invite him on the podcast. And we had an amazing time. Um, What you're hearing tonight in this podcast is a snippet of the larger conversation that we had. Um, It turns out we have a lot in common and we had so much fun just chatting about life and our experiences and just things that... You wouldn't expect us to have in common, but we do. And, and um, you know, one of the things uh, that I think is, is so funny is, is we both have a background in college sports. Um, I was an administrator. He was a football player. And uh, so it just, you know, then he started in the blind side. And, and there's just, there's so many connections that we had. And so we just had a really fun conversation. So uh, tonight's conversation is the first of what will be many conversations with Mr. Singleton because... Um, we have a lot to talk about. So, um, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is, uh, before we get started, is that um, this was a huge week for Walking Dead fans. You know, we talked, Adam and I talked about this earlier in the week in the podcast uh, before this one about the end of The Walking Dead and kind of the future of the franchise and the spinoffs and everything. And um, so this conversation that I had with Irony took place before that news came out. So just to clarify that, um, you know, clarify the timing on that. So that's why we didn't address that in our conversation. Um, We had talked on Tuesday and, or on Monday, excuse me. We talked on Monday, the news broke on Wednesday. So it was kind of a a whole process. So um, in future episodes, I'm sure we'll be able to address that with him and, and get his thoughts. So um, if you're wondering why we didn't talk about it, that's the explanation. Um, I also wanted to touch on the fact that Irony has a couple of projects coming up and he isn't sure when they're going to be coming out just because of the whole COVID situation. So he has a project uh, coming out called Clemson, which is, sounds amazing. Um, he described it as, uh, I mean, it's it just, it's, it's such an amazing project and I'm really excited, excited to, uh, to learn more about it. Um, that'll be coming out soon. And then he also has a project called the underground railroad and both of those will be coming as soon as they're available. I mean, they're, they're, they're essentially done. He just, uh, he's not sure what the post-production situation's like. So as soon as we get an update on that, I will let you guys know. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that is it. And I'm going to, before I jump into the podcast, just want to remind you, um, the podcast is available um, on all the major podcast platforms, and I would love it if you would leave us a review, uh, send us questions, leave us feedback, and um, that way we can help the podcast grow in the directions that you want to see it grow, because we are a podcast by fans for fans. So without further ado, 
here is my interview with Irony Singleton. I am so excited because you've always been such a, an inspirational figure to so many people, you know, and all of the things that you've done. And um, so what I'd really love to do, I want to start talking about you. I want to start about these, I want to talk about these projects that you're doing um, because you just hit on something that when you mentioned the acting, an acting school, Let, mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Let's start there because I think that is like the most amazing thing because giving back, like you've said, is just so, so powerful and being able to do that. So could you tell me a little bit, like, let's start at the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about, about how it all came about and, and, uh, and what we need to know? Cause I, I, I want to know everything. <laughs> I want to know everything. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I guess, give the abridged version because I could talk about this right here for five hours. It, this is a lifetime conversation basically, but it's just a natural progression. I feel like early on at the very beginning, I thought that uh, it was meant for me to be an actor. It was like, okay, that's my purpose. That's my mission in life to be an actor. And I was like, oh, no, I realized later on, God revealed to me that, no, that was your vehicle. That was your vehicle to doing what you need to do in order to exalt me, in order to put truth and love in the world, in order to share that. That's, mm -hmm. that's your ultimate goal is to love everybody you come into contact with. Be, serve as a beacon of hope, serve as a light for those other people, serve as, as inspiration for others. So it was like, oh, okay, so God gave me the platform as an actor. So then now I can get the, the notoriety that I need to make uh, me more, to make people receive me better, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, I said in high school, I was like, I wrote a paper for the Dr. King, I Have a Dream uh, Foundation they would have a, a contest, an oratorical contest um, every year. And I participated. My, my, my English teacher thought that, you know, I would be best to kind of uh, represent the school. Oh, so wow. I wrote my paper. And in my paper, I said that my dream is to be an acclaimed actor on the big screen so that um, I can save millions of lives and serve as an example to so many people. This is what I said. My teacher pulled me to the side and she said, um, basically she summed up by saying, no, that's just not a good idea because you're from the projects and people from the projects just don't do that type of stuff. She was looking out for me, she thought, because she was trying to save me just from rejection and not because not many people would make it out of the mm -hmm. projects, let alone go on to become an actor and have so much notoriety and become a celebrity or whatever. So she said, think about something more practical. She said, you need to think about, is there anything else you'd like to do with your life? So I don't know, you know, I met my dad two times in my life. And one thing he told me was, son, always brush your teeth. I guess maybe my teeth were nasty at the time. <laughs> and he didn't pick me up. He had just got out of prison. He served four years in prison. Oh, wow. So he took me to meet his family my paternal grandmother and, and, and aunt um, for the first time. Wow. So that was the first time I ever met him. And so on our way there or on our way back, because I was really young at the time, I just remember us stopping at a convenience store. And in addition to buying me some junk food, he bought me a toothbrush. So I don't know if that was just, it, it was indicative of, of my demeanor or something, maybe my teeth. I don't know. I wasn't taking care of my, my, my dental hygiene. Like I should have, I don't know what the deal was, but that's what he told me. So after that, I thought about that and I said, okay, 
I wrote that. I said, I want to be a, a dentist. When I really didn't, in me, as a 17-year-old, I wanted to be an actor. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be an actor. And I just changed it for her. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to be an actor still. So when I went off to college, I was thinking, I want to be an actor. I went to school saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to major in pre-dentistry or whatever that was. I didn't have a clue about it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I still want to act. It, the desire was there. So that's how I ended up acting. And then that was the because football got me out of high school mm -hmm. and got me into college. That was my vehicle then. But then once I got to college, I played football. I finished football. I thought that I was going to go pro. I mm -hmm. said, I'm going to go pro. And then I'm going to use that money to invest in my acting career. It didn't work out that way. I didn't go pro. So I was like, God, I thought you saved me from the project so that I could go pro. And I was like, no, that's over with. Switch vehicles now. Now that you need a different vehicle. Your vehicle now is acting. It's like, oh, okay, now I'm acting and then it happened. And God's like, okay, now you need to take it further. Do what I brought you here to do. And that is to put truth and love into the world. It's like, oh, now I understand my mission. My mission is to teach, to serve mm -hmm. as inspiration for others, which led to the irony school of the arts my acting school because and whenever i teach i feel so liberated i feel so good about it and my wife was like you just you are so excited about teaching i said i am it just gives me this extra life mm -hmm. it just, i just I, I get this surge of this extra surge of energy i may be down sarah beth i may be having a, a down day or something but when i teach a class i'm like i feel reinvigorated so I just think that that's, that's what led to me opening the Irony School of the Arts. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Not just with Irony School of the Arts, but just anytime, anywhere, any place, telling my story, sharing my story, and helping us to become better as humanity, you know, as yeah. society. So, yeah. Absolutely. So how is it... You know, talk about the, your students. Like, wh who who are your students? Like, who can become your students? Is it, you know, has COVID has COVID changed it to where you know? Is it made it easier to connect with people? Like, I've well, I don't have in-house classes now because of COVID, mm -hmm. and I still have. I do I do personal trainings in-house now so it may be it's just one-on-ones mm -hmm. um i do zoom classes i had to cancel my classes but i do zoom i do skype classes so okay. i offer that around the world oh. um yeah so um that's that's the way to for me to teach now just through mm -hmm. skype and zoom um we're we're hoping to be able to open the school back um you know sooner than later but with how things are going right now Sarah Beth, I just, I don't know when that'll be. Yeah. Um, it's, it hurt, it's hurt business, um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to be as safe as we can about things. Um, but yeah, so Skype and Zoom now, that's, that's how I'm teaching my acting class. And for the most part, but I still have auditions. I still record auditions. So at any school of the arts, not only do, you know, we teach the acting classes, but we have um, audition recordings, we do voiceovers, we do anything basically related to acting. I even had one of my students, we just shot a couple of movie shorts just oh, wow. last week. Yeah, we shot um, a horror and we shot a comedy. So I write. Um, I don't teach writing. 
I, I do write though. I write, but I don't teach it because I don't know how to teach writing. I teach acting. I just don't know. I just write because I have a feel for it. I guess being an actor for so long and reading scripts and all that stuff, I know what it takes. I know how to move people, I know the process. There's a certain formula to go about, but I just can't teach it. I, yeah. Um, and we shot two projects and they're really, they're pretty good, like five minute shorts. Mm -hmm. um, so we do basically everything for the most part related to entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know, the editing and, you know, post-production, pre-production, production to post-production. We offer all that stuff. That's so um, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And the reason I asked is because, you know, I think if, if you can say there's been one upside to COVID, it's the fact that we've all been able to kind of interact with these new tools. You know, Zoom and Skype have become so cool. So in a way... It's nice to know. So if, if people, you know, if, if our listeners are listening and saying, hey, I, I never thought I could do this, you can. You can connect with you. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter, you know, I mean, time zones can get a little tricky, but, you know, but, uh, you know it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Like, I mean, in a weird way, it's made you more accessible than yes. possibly ever before. And so yeah. there is that weird, so that, that silver lining, if you will, exactly. that, um, you know, that you get to meet more people that way. Yeah, we have to rise. We rise to the occasion, right? You're like, I don't do that Zoom stuff. I don't do that Skype. Now we have older people. They're doing Zoom and Skype. That's <laughs> what happens. I have a student in Australia, and I'm teaching him at 8 o'clock, 7 at night, but it's 9 o'clock in the morning there. Crazy. So, <laughs> we make it happen. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it, it's so it's so neat. And it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's uh, you know, everything – used to be, I mean, even with conventions too, I mean, you know, I think about fan conventions and people are always, you know, it's always been so hard because people love the interactions. They love, you know, the, the, you know, being able to just to meet people in person and, and shake hands and give hugs and, you know, and, and you, you know, the, you have fans from so many different projects, but we know that the Walking Dead family is very strong and very, you know, very loving and supportive. And we used to have those outlets and now we don't. But that doesn't mean that they can't get in touch with you through the magic of, of you know, these new mediums. Yeah. It's, it's kind of yeah. nice. Yeah. I, you know, I, I miss them, though. There, there, there was something special about giving those handshakes and those hugs mm -hmm. and everything. And I think a lot of people, it's affected a lot of people tremendously because that served as the outlet mm -hmm. for many people, you know, people going through things. I've had these conversations that we've had, I've had many of these conversations on the road at conventions, meeting people, and they'll, they end up sharing some stories that we, we go here. Mm -hmm. And that's what I loved so much about being out on the road because the stuff that they ordinarily probably wouldn't talk about, mm -hmm. but we end up discussing there. And for those people to not have that outlet now, it really, it concerns me, it bothers me. I'm sad for them. I pray for them. And uh, hopefully we can get back to that, that point, you know, eventually one day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it, you know, at least it, it, like I said, it's such, a, it's such an interesting thing because I feel like is, is, you know, we're as, as far as apart as we all have been, we're also closer than we ever have been and, and more appreciative of those opportunities than probably ever before. I mean, I think everybody's like, I, I just need to hug somebody. And, you know, everybody's talking about that first hug and those first, you know, those first human interactions again, but 
we're able to do these things and it's it's really great to be able to still you know to be able to do those things and and um and still see familiar faces and and um you know they just i just gosh last weekend two weekends ago uh they did a season one marathon the walking dead on amc oh, yeah and it was so great. I mean, even though, you know, it's one of those things, even though we have Netflix and we have, you know, DVD sets and people can do their marathons whenever they want, but when it's on television, right, right. everybody comes on and it's like this, it, it's like you're getting together with your family. You jump right. on Twitter, you jump on Instagram and you're just back connecting with people yeah. and it feels so good, yeah. but it felt really good to go back to the beginning and, yeah. and to be able to see, you know, like seeing your old friends and just being you know, reliving those moments. Yeah, um, Melissa McBride and I, we just had a, a, a text fest when it came <laughs> on. Um, and it just took me down. Like I was telling her, I said, I'm going down nostalgia lane right now, just thinking about how special that, it's like, it seems like it's even, it's more special now looking in retrospect, mm -hmm. just in retrospect, taking it all in. We were doing something that we didn't know was going to become so huge. And we were just going through the process as actors and like, okay, this is another show. Hopefully somebody will watch it. We don't know. It's about zombies. We don't know how successful that's going to be, but let's enjoy it while we're here. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking back and like, oh my God, we were doing that so clueless as to what this show would become. Um, you're right. It's so special when you know so many other people are watching it like you. We could get on Netflix and why, you know, you can do Netflix and you can do it like that. But when it's on television mm -hmm. and it's available to so many people at one time, it makes it more special. And another thing about the Skype and Zoom, I think it has brought us closer together. I was thinking like, what if this COVID had hit 15, 20 years ago oh. without yeah. all of this technology? Maybe what would be on Messenger and MySpace? Oh my <laughs> goodness. That would it be, wouldn't even be Oh, it would be terrible. It would be terrible. My, my, my. It's just, yeah. but it, you know, it, it really, I mean, there, there's so many parallels too, because, you know, you, you see people, you know, I was just talking with um, some of the Fear the Walking Dead cast about, you know, just the parallels between, you know, a pandemic and what happened to the Walking Dead. And, and you know, with, with Fear, it's a little bit different because their show started where you got to see before, and then there were whispers in LA of like, hey, these people are acting really weird. And then yeah. it just hits, you know, which is kind of like COVID, you know, because if you think back to like February, it was like, no one knew. But if you if you paid attention and you were listening to the right things, you would hear you're like, hey, there's this virus. It might be a thing, uh -huh. you know, and so some people and I, I like to think that Walking Dead fans were kind of had a leg up on that because you know, we, we all kind of. We all kind of know, you know. Right, Walk, Walking Dead fans, we're we're like like all waiting on the apocalypse anyway. So right, the antennas are already yeah. raised, we, right? We, all, we already had our toilet paper. Right, right. <laughs> we didn't need to go to this. We already had the toilet paper. <laughs> right. So yeah, we were um, just kind of on the lookout for that type of stuff. But then I had a cold. It was December, January, February. My family it ran through us. I don't know if it started with my younger daughter first or my older daughter. She was sick in December. So we still like don't really know what happened. Like, was that COVID? What was yeah. the deal with that? And then my then my uh, son had something, and then it was either me or my wife. And February 12th, something hit me. Oh, I remember wow. February 12th, um, there were talks and whispers about it. And my son had a track meet. He had a cross-country meet at a neighboring school. And I went to it. 
And I was like, please, and I, you know, I said, all right, I gotta be careful with this thing right here, make sure I don't get anything. And then me, when I walked inside the stadium, maybe it was just psychological. I was like, <clears throat> I felt like something hit me. And I wow. got kind of, yeah, it was like I instantly just got felt, felt something. It was like a sickness came on. I just felt when I knew. And then that next, I went, to, I went to work out after that, went to the gym. I tried to work through it. It gave me a boost of energy. It gave me a surge of energy. And then a day or so later, I was just coughing, had a really bad cough. I didn't get a fever. I didn't get a fever. I didn't vomit. I didn't do any of that stuff. But I just had a bad cough. You let my wife tell it, she would, she, I mean, you would think that I was dying. Mm -hmm. She said it was really bad. I said it wasn't that bad. She said, no, it was bad. Wow. Um, and it lasted for about almost a week. So I'm like, was that a form of COVID? I, I don't know. We really yeah. still don't know. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's, but you know, you know, again, I mean, that's, I think so much of us, like we look at this and we think back, I mean, I, I found myself, you know, every time they'd mentioned the CDC, you know, like, I think it's, I think it's funny because, you know, obviously you were in season one and, and that episode, you know, arriving at the C the CDC will have all the answers. We just have to get to the CDC. We just have to get there and it will solve all of our problems. <laughs> And now we're in this situation and, you know, it's a, it, and I, I don't think that's the case, but I think the funniest part is that the CDC uses zombies is like, you know, this is how you prepare for disasters is, you know, think of a zombie apocalypse and then like it's in their training guides and it's in, you know, it's on their websites, you know, it's always zombie this and zombie that. And I think, you know, it's because of the walking dead, but now, you know, now we look and we're like, okay, well, I don't think anybody has any of the answers and it's kind of like, you know, Jenner on the walking dead like he didn't have yeah. the answer he's about, <laughs> no. he's about to hit that damn button right. and we're all just gonna blow up like right. it's just and that's where we are right and most of his co-workers opted out right because mm -hmm. they didn't have a clue but right. so you're saying on the cdc website they use zombies as an example as to how to prepare for yeah they have had you can look it up and there are uh there are like training guides i mean it, like it, it's it's in jest but it's, it's an actual thing, you know, that, that, because I think in, I think in so many people's minds, like the worst thing that could happen, you know, barring like a war or a nuclear disaster or something like that. I think in a lot of people's minds, the worst thing that could happen is a zombie apocalypse. Like if it actually happened, that would be the thing, like, you know, more than a hurricane or uh, an earthquake. Like if, if you had to prepare to the hilt, for something it would be for a zombie like if you're if you can survive a zombie apocalypse then you can get through anything and so that was kind of the the messaging is that you know if you can have your go bags or pack your you know make sure you have certain essentials in the car and you know and, and as as a fan of the show like you start you do start thinking about those things like i i keep certain things in my car that i wouldn't necessarily have thought of if i wasn't watching the show like i'm not a like a prepper and that's, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a doomsday prepper that, you know, is always looking for, you know, thinking about disasters, but I, I do think about, you know, what, what are the essentials? What are the things that, you know, you need a couple tools, you need a couple, you know, you should have a flashlight, you know, stuff. I mean, just some people think about that. And then, you know, and then when you watch the show, that's when you see like the people who have those things and how they're doing as opposed to the people who don't have those things. Yeah. I'd rather have them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember the talk about that just shortly after the episode, the CDC episode aired with this, I mean, yeah, 
and the CDC used that episode in jest. I just didn't know it was still a thing to this day. Are you talking about the literature they posted back then? It's still available. It's, yeah, it's still available and it still pops mm -hmm. up every now and then, you know, and mm -hmm. I and I think because that's, you know, like like I said, I think until until right now, this moment that we're in, that was the scariest thing, but I think now people are kind of I think people would rather have walkers, honestly. Like I think I'd rather have a walker at my door than walking outside and saying, well, I didn't bring a mask. You know, I left my mask, right? My mask fell off or you know, like, I think I would do, I think I'd rather have to face a walker at this point than, you know, something that I, especially, you know, especially because, you know, I think you and I both know the walking dead is so much more than just zombies. It's about people and the interactions and, and we're seeing that come to life right now where there's some people that, you know, like, I don't think I'd want them in my group, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't think I'd want certain people. You just, you raised some good points. I think there's such poignant symbolism in The Walking Dead. Like you said, that you don't think you would want certain people in your group. Now, we have COVID we're dealing with, but even prior to COVID, uh, you know, the symbolism in The Walking Dead suggests that there may be walkers amongst us right now. Think about we have some people out there with mental illnesses. Who's to say that we all don't have a mental illness to a certain extent, just given our experiences and what we've been through with me coming up in the projects and the life that I've lived and all the violence I've seen. Like, I know there's some stuff I'm not completely saying, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have some stuff that I, but I've dealt with it through sharing my testimony. Mm -hmm. Like I've had some, issues in my life that I've been able to work out because like I told you, the thing that liberated me was sharing my testimony. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about all the people that have skeletons in their closet uh, uh, that have been, maybe they were abused, sexually abused, maybe they were this or that coming, maybe they, anything, the stuff that they experience. And I try to get people to disclose that because it makes you feel good afterwards. People have mm -hmm. to talk about what they're dealing with. If they don't have a psychiatrist or psychologist that they're seeing, you know, you, they don't have a therapist, it could build up and it could turn, it could get worse. And right. I kind of, I, I liken that to this notion of zombies in a sense. Think about people that go and kill people. You go out and you commit a murder or crime. What led to that? Mm -hmm. Oh, it was an argument. We got into an argument because such and such maybe stepped on my shoes. Think about these trivial issues that lead to murder. That is so nonsensical. Like it makes, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. But the thing to me, I've, I've just been analyzing it and I'm like, what would lead something so small and trivial? What would lead to murder? Right. It's all the baggage. I've concluded it's all the stuff that's inside that has not been dealt with. Right. But I think that that's the form of zombieism, if you will. I, don't, <laughs> I just, yeah. I'm like, so have we not had zombies in, you know, in in our mix like for a very long time? It's just yeah. not as far, it's not as rampant like like it is on the show, right? But we right. have people committing senseless crimes on a regular. And especially here in America with all these guns we have too. Mm -hmm. Then you add guns to the mix. Oh yeah. That's another that's another epidemic we have mm -hmm. here. So we've got guns, we've got mentally ill people. That's a wide spectrum committing crimes for whatever, no particular, it's like sometimes people commit crimes just because maybe they're, you know, they're, they're hungry, you know, right. it's for survival. Mm -hmm. 
But what about the, the crimes that are being committed? Or it may be to serve a habit or a drug habit or something like that. Yeah. I say, you know, we've had zombies, just not to that extent to where they're ambling about like that and mm -hmm. they look a certain way, but we're dealing with it, a little bit of it, you can yeah. say. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I think that there is there is that also, you know, now we're seeing, you know, just this the simple thing of, you know, not wanting to, not understanding that wearing a mask isn't about you. It's about protecting the people around you. And so that's a form of, you know, I mean, you're spreading, you could potentially be spreading the zombie virus, like, because it, it is kind of a zombie virus. Like, it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But it's that mindset of, you know, it, again, it all goes back to this mindset like you're saying that, you know, for some reason, there's something that's just triggering in, in certain people that just doesn't connect. And it's like, that's the simplest thing you can do. Like that's, yeah. but you can't do that. Like why? But you're, you know, that you might, you know, and, and like I said, in my situation, like I look at it and I'm like, well, I can't bring your stuff home. I've got probably like you, that could kill people in my household. Yeah. It could kill people. And you know, that you don't even like, you don't even realize like who yeah. you could kill and, you know, and, and, it, it, but it, and that's what that's what's always been so striking about the show is that it deals with those people who put their own needs and their own desires ahead. You know, there, there, there are two types of people in the world in the zombie apocalypse, the people who will sacrifice things to help others. And then the ones that don't care because they want they're looking out for their own intentions and what they want. I mean, there, there's so many similarities with the show. Yes. You know, and, and, and when you try to stay neutral, which, you know, you could argue like, you know, say Herschel, you know, didn't want to get involved yeah. and you can't do that either. Like now that's kind of proven, like, you, you know, you, you can't stay neutral on these things either because that's almost compl complicity. Like it's, you know. Yeah. Wow. This is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The parallel there is it's uncanny. Um, Shane was that one. Shane was the one that was like, no, it's, it's about him, his, mm -hmm. his selfishness. But I was like, there are individuals, we have people in the world, and these are the different personalities. Some people are selfish, and some people are altruistic. They're selfless. Right. And then there's a mix in between, and then we fall somewhere just in between there, you know? That's mm -hmm. just humanity. Um, I also liken it to, see, my, my big thing is truth and love versus passion and greed. Um, that's the whole thing. That's the journey that I've been on in my life. And I've been trying to align myself as much as I can with truth and love as opposed to passion and greed. And I've been trying to, I've been asking myself all the way back to when my friends and family members were either murdered or died of senseless violence or something. I said, why do we? And I, I asked that question in my one man show too. I mm -hmm. said, why do we do this to each other? And that is the answer that I received. I said, why do people commit these outrageous crimes and these murders and it all led to either passion and or greed and when i say passion i mean hate jealousy right ego all of that stuff that's you know it, it th those are crimes they're crimes of passion in a sense um you know you you, you know you're, you're you're my wife is having an affair you know i i considered all this stuff sarah beth now it's a crime of passion because you want to go out and hurt that person and you mm -hmm. kill that person or greed and or greed it could be a combination of the two and it said mm -hmm. somebody wants money it's for the insurance payout they kill because of greed and so i said wow so it's truth and love versus passion and greed mm -hmm. and that is 
That's the juxtaposition that we as human beings are dealing with in the society. And I think that the people that, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to say, I've speculated that the people that say, I'm not wearing this mask, it's like, but it could hurt other people. Okay, maybe you're not as concerned about you, but mm -hmm. if you get it and you go around other people, then that could lead to their deaths. Mm -hmm. You don't care about that? I don't, it's, I want the freedom to do what I want to do. And I was like, mm. it leans towards that passion and greed. Like it's about me, 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 right. me. So that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. constantly observing just humanity and studying Sarah Beth, just analyzing um, just for the bigger picture, not just as an actor. Right. We're taught to just observe everything and just try to figure this stuff out. Uh. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, I was I was just <laughs> that for some reason that really reminded me of, uh, you know, of your character on The Walking Dead, and, and it, it's that that desire, a decision that somebody made, is what led to T Dog losing his life, because the walkers were you know, mm. there again. Like there's the there are these little decisions that you know things happen, and and you know, and thanks to t-dog sacrifices carol was able to live on and she's still going you know it's it's uh 10 years later but i mean but it, it is like that's it, there's so many of these things that are, are reflected in that show that it's just you could just go on all you, you oh, yeah. can write a book on it it's crazy. oh yeah oh yeah um I'm, I'm waiting to read your book on it though it sounds like <laughs> maybe in the process of doing that but um andrew who's the the one that opened the gate mm -hmm is connected to um, Nick's character. I can't think of Nick's his real name, Nick, but I, I, I'm thinking of the character, the head, the bad guy that Lincoln put the ax, he put mm -hmm. the, uh, the machete in the middle of his head. Communication could have really worked all of that out, but <laughs> his problem, what was his problem? He was all about himself and he was trying to kill um, Lincoln, I'm saying Lincoln, mm -hmm. Rick, <laughs> yeah. Rick, he was trying to kill Rick in the process, throwing zombies towards him and all that stuff. That was great. Why was he doing that? I'm asking you, like, what, why was he trying to take Rick out and other people? You know, the, my, my impression after, you know, after the conversation that we had, I mean, that's, that's that whole, um, you know, that sense of you have people who are in a situation where everything had been taken from them because of their situation, you know, situationally being locked in a prison, you'd think like, well, okay, it's kind of safe, but you're actually not very safe because you can't go far if, you, if you're locked up. And now you have these new people coming and they're trying to take the only thing that you have. Like I, I so I see the flip side of it. And, you know, I think that in, in, in my mind, and, and that's, you know, just after watching the show as long as I have, like I, sometimes there are moments when I think, you know, Rick, Rick's decisions could be taken very differently depending on the side that you're on, you know, and you have these guys, they'd been living there for however long they'd been there. And then these people come in and say, well, this is ours now. I could, I can understand it from that perspective. I don't agree with it, but I can understand it because that's human nature, right? Like, you know, you're sitting in your little patch of land and then somebody comes and says, well, I'm going to take this away oh, from you. Oh, I mean, that's, that's the history of, of so many nations, you know, people coming in and taking things that don't belong to them. So you do feel this resentment and then, you know, what do you do? It, it never turns out well. Someone always ends up 
you know, that's, that's history. It, it never turns out well. Now, let me ask you this, because I haven't watched season three in a while, but wasn't Rick trying to negotiate um, with the prisoners, though? Like, we could work it, this out some kind of way, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but again, it's, it's that sense of, why should I? You know, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, that, that's what always stood out to me. It's like, you have guys who were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people, that's, they're like, fine. Like, let's all do the more the merrier. But when you, you know, and I think, you know, again, it parallels a lot when, you know, I think about things like, uh, like people who are panic buying during the, the pandemic. There was plenty of stuff. We all would have been okay. So those people, you know, so if you think of like Axel, for example, and he's like, hey, you know, like, let's, you guys, we'll live here together. We'll be okay. There's plenty to go around. Those are the people who didn't go in and hoard the toilet paper. But then the people, you know, Andrew falls into the group of like, I want it all. I don't want to share with you. I don't want, I, the, I have no reason to, I'm going to buy whatever, you know, I'm going to go into the store and I'm going to buy everything because I can, not because I need to, but because I feel like, I, I feel like that's what, what has to happen. I don't it, it, for me, it just, it, it, it's such an interesting connection because you have someone, I mean, that's, that's just my take on it. And I know people I have very different, you know, different approaches to it, but you know, again, those things never turn out well. They just, they just don't. And, and, you know. I don't know who would disagree with you though, Sarah Beth. I think that's just the complexity of human nature. And I think an expression I use is, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so when one person, even if I'm not connected to somebody, somebody else could do something to somebody that it could end up coming back on me later on, you know? Um, yeah. It, it's just, you know, somebody that this right here is, I guess this is, this right here is, is indicative of, of our connection. This lets you know how connected we are. Like somebody could say something bad to a person at the supermarket and they have an attitude or a chip on their shoulder and then they take it out and they're driving on the road mm-hmm. and then somebody cuts them off in traffic and they blow their horn or they decide to cut somebody off in traffic, for instance. And then that other person gets mad and they've had a bad day. They have a gun with them. What are you doing? And they pull out their gun and then they shoot the person and kill that person. Right. It wasn't just because of them. It was much, it was much deeper. There was a buildup. Mm-hmm. It was something that somebody else did to them mm-hmm. that led to that situation. See, that's, yeah. that lets you know how connected we are. Absolutely. So somebody badly, you know, if we treat somebody with, with disrespect, it could end up affecting other people. And that's why I do my best to encourage other people to just be kind to one another, yeah, just absolutely. respect each other, love each other, because it'll come back on you, whether you know it or not. You're thinking, oh, well, this, this person can't affect me, can't hurt me. But the energy you put in the world will come back. That, like that energy goes, it has to go somewhere. That's the law of thermodynamics. It can't be destroyed. Right. You can neither be destroyed or created. It's just there. So what's going to happen? It's, it's got to come back. That's karma. karma Absolutely. Is, it may not come back immediately, right? But mm-hmm. later on, and you're trying to figure, figure that out, but it's like, no, that's what happens. We got to love each other more. I just, it disturbs me when people let their emotions get the best of them. But I kind of understand because of they're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. They got to deal with that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. That's the show. That is The Walking Dead. 
Yeah. Can you believe that it's it's going to be 10 years in, in, in October? And what, what, what's that like for you? Like knowing that you were there at the beginning and you kind of talked about how like you were just there, like nobody really thought that it would get to where it is, but Amazing. here we are. Amazing. I just think that if I, I never act again, I, I just think like God just wanted me to have that platform so that I could use that symbolism to connect it to life. And when I'm talking to other people and people can relate to what I'm saying through the story. And that way we're able to create change some kind of way. You know, that's a talk, that's a starting point. Mm -hmm. Hey, you like the walking dead? Yeah, I love the walking dead. Well, <laughs> check this out. Walking dead is similar to life in this sense. Oh my, I never thought about it that way. And then we're off and going. Now we're now we're connecting. Right, so right. How can we make it better. So if I never act again, I'm like, okay, God, so that was a vehicle. Now it's time to move to another vehicle. You know? Yep, yep. That's the cool thing about it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things I, I've, I've read interviews where you've talked a little bit about, you know, what it was like playing a character that wasn't original to the comics. And, you know, at the time, it was kind of an interesting thing because, you know, T-Dog, you got to bring him to life the way you wanted to. I mean, you, you were the one who created that and drawing on your own experiences. And it was kind of an interesting, uh, it was an interesting thing because the show was so rooted in the comics at that point, but now 10 years later, they're running out of comic material. And so it's starting to, you're seeing more yeah. of this world. You know, do you think that like looking back, would you have rather had a character like a Rick Grimes or a Morgan Jones, like somebody who had a background that was rooted in the comics or do you think that it's better to to do your own thing and you know do you think the show's more fun that way like where you don't know what's coming both i say maybe the former because i'd probably still be on the show today but i mean you know your main character so they, they, they keep you longer because it's like you're part of the comic so we don't want to give this away mm -hmm. you know we don't want you to go too soon because we want to you know we want you to survive the way you survive in the comics. Mm -hmm. But in another sense, it's like, no, I like to, I loved, I appreciated being able to create T-Dog just with a clean slate, um, being able to kind of go down whichever avenue I chose to go down. So I can see both, you know, I can relate to both. It's like, either one would be cool. Combination of the two is pretty cool, which is what the show is doing now. So they've mixed it up throughout, not just now, but the whole time. I yeah. thought that was pretty ingenious of, of Frank Darabont and, uh, you know, Robert Kirkman and everybody agreeing to, to, to mix it mm -hmm. because it, it, it would have gotten maybe boring if you know, especially if you're a fan of the comics and you know exactly what's going to happen, mm -hmm. it's not as interesting. Yeah. So let me throw a curveball every now and then. Let me throw a knuckleball. They don't, they're not expecting it. So I thought that that is what contributed to making the show a big success also. Absolutely. Absolutely. Early on, though, um, Sarah Beth, people thought that T-Dog was Tyrese. They were like, is T-Dog Tyrese? Which, interestingly, I've never had the conversation with Frank Darabont, um, but because he was called T-Dog, T. -Dog, T mm -hmm. And then later on, they said, All right, we're just gonna, he's going to be Theodore Douglas. I think, just kind of getting in Frank Darabont's head a little bit, he would have to dispute that. I think he was trying to decide whether or not he was going to make T-Dog Tyrese. 
Like, I'm just going to call him T for right mm -hmm. now, and we'll decide from there, and we'll figure out if he'll become Tyrese. Mm -hmm. But it was funny at the beginning when people saw who I had been cast as T-Dog. They were like, T-Dog, is that, is that Tyrese? The T stands for Tyrese. <laughs> but no, he's not Tyrese. His head is too big. That's not Tyrese. <laughs> the, the stuff they were saying, oh. they were brutal on the internet. They were like, that's... That, that can't be T-Dog. Some people were kind, but other people, they were like, that can't be Tyrese it's with that big old head. No. Or he doesn't have the credits. He should. <laughs> my, why did they pick him as Tyrese? He better not be Tyrese. I was just laughing. Oh, my God. That, that was so funny. <laughs> I said, oh, my God. I had to show my wife. Look at this. Look what they said. I'm like, oh, my God. People can be so brutal. But I don't take it that way. I don't take. It doesn't affect me. To say, mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't get hurt by tabloids and all that stuff. I'm just like, okay. I just know he, I've studied human nature enough to understand people's angles. And, you know, what comes out of people is their experiences. They tend to project. Mm -hmm. You know, as human beings, sometimes we project. So what we put out there is basically based upon our experiences and what we've dealt with in life. So I laugh, not to their face, because I know that they need some, some therapy. Right. They need something. So I try my best to give them what I can to help them to be the best they can be, to, to help them to become better mm -hmm. or to help them to realize where that is coming from. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's some hurt in you that I want to really kind of help you to deal with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not offensive. It's not hurtful. It really isn't. No, in a lot of ways, it's it's probably the best feedback you can get because it makes you so much better. And, and yeah. who better to receive it than yeah. you know you with you yeah. know with with teaching and yeah. you know trying to help people kind of figure that out because you know that's yeah. that's it's a hard lesson. You know, we don't always like to take criticism, but it's it's something that because it's not always fair. You know, but but if you know how to to take it and to understand it, it can lead to some really interesting things. Yeah, I think that, and, and, and even what the people say, there may be some truth tied to it, but the way they, they give it, it's lacking the love. And see, right. that's, what I, that's how we can really, we, we can go to the next level when we have both, because I, I feel like, like one can't exist without the other. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you, you may be true. It's like, well, the truth hurts. Not necessarily, the truth doesn't really have to hurt. It really doesn't have to hurt. You can give the truth, but you can give it with love. There's a certain way. I think that right. people are just not patient enough to do that. Some people, and then it depends on their personality. You know, and <laughs> some people just blurt some stuff out and you're like, oh my God, did you just say that? The way you said, you can always say whatever. You can give truth, but if you code it with that love, then we can accomplish so much more together. So even though they're saying, oh, Tito, you know, is that, is that Tyree? He's got a big head. He better not be Tyree. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I got a big head. It's seven and three quarters. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. So, <laughs> for my own, that's my football helmet size. I just remember from those days. I'm like, yeah, but there's a certain way you can really say that as opposed to saying, with his big head, you can say, How's it, how can you cope that with love, Sarah Beth? I'm trying to figure it out over the internet when you're typing stuff. Yeah, no, that's a, that is a hard one. Right. You can always do the generic, that's not what I pictured, <laughs> which is loaded enough. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, now, it's, it's more vague, and they would, you're referring to the head, to my head, right? Um, but you gave it. See, that's truth. 
and there's love attached to it. Now, if you want to be more specific about it, you're like, yeah, that's not what I picture. It seems like, because Tyrese was a smaller guy. He had a smaller frame, like his head, and then you kind of- Yeah, slip. yeah. <laughs> then you slip in the head size. Just, <laughs> right, so that in there. love. But as opposed to saying, his head, his head is too big. Yeah. Then there's no love attached. So I, when I give truth, because my thing is, I don't want to speak any falsehoods. Going back to my days of cheating, how I grew up, I grew up in a household with pimps and hustlers, uh, gangbangers, like the whole nine. Whatever you can imagine, that's what I grew up in. That's what was passed on to me in a sense. And I ended up living that life somewhat because I was in the projects. Mm -hmm. um, so I was a, a cheater. <clears throat> and so I had different girlfriends and even my girlfriend, my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time, I didn't know any other way. That was just normal to me. Um, right. You know, the expression was, if you don't have a, another girl, if you only have one girl, then you're a punk. <laughs> like it's encouraged to have more than one girl. You know, that's the goal. Um, and so I, that, was, that was just who I was at the time. But then I got to the point to where I could disclose that. And when I shared that information with my girlfriend, then at the time, me took it upon myself because I wanted to be better. This is after my mom died. And I was like, okay, God, why am I here? Because I wanted to die. I was like, man, this is too much for me. And so God told me why I was here. And I was like, okay, I have to get to the point. That was one of the last things that I dealt with as far as my demons, my skeletons and all that pain and hurt that I had dealt with through verbal abuse, physical abuse, and all that stuff. So when I told my wife that I had past, you know, uh, relationships and all the stuff she didn't know about, that was the end of all of that dirt that I had. I had a lot of dirt on me and it was a process that I went through after my mom died, just getting the dirt off. I was just mm -hmm. wiping dirt off and it was so much dirt on me though, Sarah Beth. I had to, I was like, God, where, where is dirt come from? And that was the last of it I felt. And then that way I was able to be honest and uh, you know just truthful once i became truthful with me i could become truthful with anybody else which is why um you know stuff like that just doesn't bother me because i know i was in that world i right. i used to think like that i behaved that way i was i did bad stuff i fought you know i sold drugs i did so many things you'd be like what whoa <laughs> so but yeah um i just i get it i just i get the pain yeah yeah. yeah. But again, it, it makes you who you are. And, and, you know, that's, that's, what's so great is look at, look at what you're able to do and you're able to harness that. And, you know, by teaching others, like you're, you're, you're taking that experience and turning it into something that's just incredible and beautiful and, and powerful. And I mean, if you didn't have it, then it wouldn't be the same, which is, you know, you don't want to dismiss it. Like it's not because, you know, that's always like, you know, it's like the old, like, uh, you know, oh, your house burned down, but at least you made it out alive. And it's like, yeah, but I'm still kind of upset about my house. <laughs> you know, like you never want to, you don't want to discredit people. You know, <laughs> I, I certainly, you and I, like after our, our conversation, you understand that I understand, <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to discredit that. Right. But at the same time, when by embracing it, like if you didn't have that, it wouldn't, would you be the person that you are today? Like, would you be as authentic like that? I mean, it's just, I think that's because there's so much authenticity in every performance I've ever seen you give. Like that, that's what's so alluring because you can just see that emotion and see all of that. And I, I would imagine that's what you're giving to your students is that, that need to be authentic. And that's why you need to be 
to tell your story and embrace your story because that is so critical because it's so easy to see through people. I mean, that's, mm. you know, you, you can see through the people that, you know, mm. aren't giving authentic performances mm. or, or aren't authentic in real life. You know, it's not just an acting thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what acting is. Acting is life. And that's, that's what I teach them that also. I'm like, acting is, is, is life, is acting. Mm -hmm. So basically, they're, they're, they're interchangeable. Um, you know, there's a reciprocal relationship similar to, um, you know, art is a uh, depiction of life. There's a depiction of art or something to that, to, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. But in a sense, yeah. my one man show, I say, um, I focus on the dualistic structure of nature. Like, how can we know good without bad, and peace without war? I'm the sum of all my life experiences. I would not be who I am today without them. Right. So that's exactly what I say in my show. So you got to take the bad with the good. Mm -hmm. And there you have the facts of life. The song kind of went like that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you take the bad, you take the good. Something like that. Yeah. That's just, that's life. So mm -hmm. to dismiss and disregard all of that bad that I went through, I would not be who I am today. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine me being any different. Like, I don't know. And if I'm not doing what I'm doing today, then I'd rather be dead. Like I've said that many times. I'm like, if I'm not here to put good and truth and love into the world, I'd rather die. Because when my mother died, I was like, I got to make her life mean something because she, she dropped out of school in eighth grade, ninth grade, and she ended up on drugs and alcohol. She was an alcoholic. She was a crack addict. And she died when I was 18 from HIV. Uh, complications, AIDS. And when she died, I was like, she didn't really accomplish much in her life, but she did have me. Right. That was the realization that God gave me when I was on my knees crying and, and, and saying, I, I don't care to be here anymore and give me a sign right now. Otherwise, I don't know what I'll go out there in the world to do because the pain was so immense. Either I'll go out there and hurt somebody or they'll hurt me, I'll kill or be killed or mm -hmm. go to prison. And I had that epiphany. And it was so powerful, Sarah Beth, the epiphany, the light, it was a light, not like a regular light. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, was in, it was all in my head, I guess, but it was what I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. And God told me, it was like, if you're gonna make your mother's life mean something, I was like, okay, my mother's life is important, okay, the world, probably would see her as a crack addict, as an alcoholic and this and that, but she had me. So I'm going to show the world how important my mother was by how I choose to live my life. Right. If I choose to not live the way that God has ordained for me to live it. I want to die. Kill me. It's over. No more life for me. I don't care about it. So um, that's how I live. That's how I choose to live my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's just, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't, I, I'm just getting chills. Like this has just been an amazing <laughs> conversation. I we're going to have to do this again. Like we have to, we're going to have to talk yes. some more and then like just, just periodically just yes. to check in because yeah. <laughs> I, this is just, this is so much fun. And I, I'm, I'm so just incredibly inspired and I'm so glad that, that we had a chance to connect for this podcast and I can't thank you enough. 
I really hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Irony Singleton. And, um, you know, like I said, this is going to be a, the first of many conversations we're going to have with him. Very excited to have met him for this, this uh, podcast edition and can't wait to talk with him about, um, you know, all the big Walking Dead news and his upcoming projects. Again, he's going to be starring in uh, Clemson and the Underground Railroad. And both of those projects are going to be coming out soon. He's just not sure exactly when because of COVID and all of that. So um, as soon as I hear anything, I will let you know. And also, if you have any uh, questions about his acting school and any of the projects that he's involved in, um, hit me up on social media and I'd be happy to pass along his contact information um, for those projects because I think it's the opportunity to learn acting from someone who has had such an amazing experience like he has is incredible. So, um, and, and thanks to, to COVID and everything that's going on, he can actually uh, work with anybody around the world. So that's kind of an interesting um, opportunity also. So again, I want to thank you for making it this far in the, po the podcast and, um, you know, again, leave us reviews, leave us questions, feedback. We love all of it. And uh, for now, I hope you guys have a good week. We'll be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode. And um, yeah, so for now, you know, just, just remember, stay safe, wash your hands, and watch out for those walkers. Thanks, everybody.